Welcome to the Let Me Bend Your Ear podcast. My name is Frank, and I'm the host of the show. I discuss and review movies new and old. You can watch the show on YouTube and Facebook under the Let Me Bend Your Ear podcast. You can listen wherever you get your podcast. Please rate and review the show on your app of choice. You can email the show at bendyourearpodcast at gmail.com. Please visit the podcast website at letmebendyourear.com. All episodes are available there. On this episode, I'm going to discuss and review the 1992 film One False Move, directed by Carl Franklin. Now, before I get into the review, I'm very excited to review this particular movie. I posted on this on Facebook, or excuse me, on Twitter a couple of weeks ago. This movie came out again in 1992. Uh, I'm super excited. Uh, I saw the movie in the theaters back then when it came out and uh, actually purchased the film <laughs> And this will age me on Laserdisc. Uh, my brother, my late brother had a Laserdisc player when we were living together. I purchased the Laserdisc of this film and um, watched it there. Now, for years and decades later, obviously, it's been you know 30 years. The film is not available on DVD, was not available on DVD because I had thought, thought about reviewing it for the podcast a couple of times, but it was not available. And then finally, uh, on cue, Criterion decided to do this film and put it in its collection, which I'm very excited about. And this is uh, what I was able to watch it on. So this is, again, the unsolicited Criterion plug when I review this. So this is the, the 4K Criterion version of One False Move. So I was very excited to purchase it and uh, view the movie for the first time in a very long time. So I'm very excited to discuss and review. So a little bit about the movie uh, before I get into the review. So again, uh, this movie is really known for Probably the breakout and and the interviews with Billy Bob Thornton on the uh, commentaries and the and the extra features on the Criterion Blu-ray. This is really was his breakout before he got really big with Sling Blade. So of course everybody knows the 1996 film Sling Blade that um, Billy Bob Thornton co-wrote, starred in, and directed, which was kind of his breakout film, uh, another independent film. But this film came before it again in 1992, and. He co-wrote this film, Run False Move, with his childhood friend, Tom Epperson. So they grew up together uh, and, um, in Arkansas. Before they moved to Hollywood, they started writing screenplays together. And they wrote this particular screenplay, tried to shop it around, had a bunch of almost you know, very close calls in getting it made. Then it was finally made uh, into this film. And of course, this was a super low budget. So this film came out in the, in the kind of the heyday or the beginnings of the 90s independent cinema movement. So, of course, if you go back to the early 90s, you've got, you know, Quentin Tarantino, Kevin Smith, all those kind of early 90s directors, Richard Linklater, um, that uh, were independent filmmakers that were getting films into, into festivals and in turn getting wide release. And either they would become big hits or become cult classics uh, that people continue to cite and, and love to this day. So this movie was kind of in that in that spirit, in that time frame when movies like this would get made. So Billy Bob Thornton stars in the film along with Bill, the great late Bill Paxton, Cinda Williams, and Michael Beach. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's got a great cast and, uh, and directed by Carl Franklin. So Carl Franklin is, was an actor. And then when he saw the roles that he was getting or lack of roles that he was getting, he decided to go to film school and become a director. And uh, he had directed a short film that caught 
Billy Bob Thornton's attention in Epperson's and they tapped him to direct this movie. And of course, in the there's a great interview if you watch the Criterion with with uh, with Franklin and Billy Bob talking to each other about one false move and and joking, not that it was a joke or that, you know, and the other reason, one, he was talented and two, he came cheap because they didn't have much of a budget uh, to make this film. Uh, so again, of course, Billy Bob Thornton was unknown, Epperson's unknown. So they, you know, they didn't have very much money to to make this movie. So he came cheap and he was, and they were impressed with a short film. And Carl Franklin directed two of the most critically acclaimed 90s films, this film and then Devil in a Blue Dress, which I still have to review. I've never seen that movie. And I'm a, that's based on the Walter Mosley um, novel. And it stars Denzel Washington. And it had a breakout performance by Don Cheadle. So that is also on Criterion. So at some point, I'll pick that up and review it. Because like I said, this film I'm a big fan of. And I, and I heard Devil in a Blue Dress is fantastic. Uh, Carl Franklin himself has gone. He's directed a couple of films. But now he's mainly done like Prestige Television now. He's directed, I know he directed episodes of Mindhunter. He's done a bunch of television and that's where he primarily works now, uh, doing kind of those prestige dramas on cable television. Uh, so that's where Carl Franklin is. So let's get into the plot of the film. So as One False Moves opens, you have um, three criminals that basically at the beginning of the film, um, you have Fantasia, played by Cinder Williams, who is... Uh, with her boyfriend, uh, Ray Malcolm, who's Billy Bob Thornton, and then Pluto, Michael Beach. So Fantasia goes into this house where there's a party going on, people shooting video, they're just having a good time. Uh, it turns out, though, that this this house is um, also a home of a drug dealer. So Fantasia comes in by herself because she knows the people in the house, and then Ray and Pluto come in and they rob, steal money and drugs, or basically drugs from this house and unfortunately uh, brutally murder the inhabitants of the house. So that's how the movie starts. Um, and uh, so, of course, they, they're on the run and they're trying to get away. And their goal is, of course, to sell the drugs and get a bunch of cash. So that's the main goal. Uh, so we find out as the movie progresses that Ray and Pluto serve time together in prison. Uh, so Ray is the hot-headed, impulsive one in the bunch. And then you have Pluto, uh, who is very intelligent, very cool, very calm, and very brutal. Um, he, uh, he murders people up close with a knife. He's very violent but very calm and very intelligent. And then you have Fantasia, who is Ray's girlfriend, who's, as you can see in the movie, and as the, as the movie progresses, you see that she's kind of caught up in this stuff. She's not really a criminal per se. Uh, she's caught up in this and uh, is kind of along, not for the ride, but basically, you know, with her boyfriend and his ex-con compatriot. So that's the first main storyline. So the second storyline is, is set in Arkansas. And you have Dale Hurricane Dixon, played by the great Bill Paxton. He is a sheriff of this town. And to say this is a small town is an understatement. So he's the sheriff of this town. He's got a couple of deputies. Um, and he is a typical small town sheriff. He grew up in that town, knows the town, knows everybody. Uh, this is not a place where there's a lot of crime or, of course, 
not a lot of crime that would be significant. So you probably have people doing drugs, drinking too much, you know, minor things that he's dealing with. You know, you're not dealing with murder and mayhem really in this small town. So um, that comes into play in the story because what ends up happening is through a series of events in the movie, um, they are trying to sell the drugs and are having difficulty doing so. So they ultimately make a plan to have Fantasia go back to this small town. It turns out Fantasia is from this town. And uh, she wants to see her family because she hasn't seen them since she left town and ended up uh, obviously with Ray. So this becomes a road picture in the in the kind of in the middle of it. So they're going to go there. So what happens is the money that was, um, or the drugs, excuse me, that were uh, stolen and the money that they had, Fantasia ends up making off with it and heading back to her small town. So of course, Ray and Pluto are going after her. So Fantasia arrives in the town first. She uh, runs into Dale and uh, it is made very apparent that there is some kind of history between her and Dale. And that is developed and you get to find out what, what relationship they had or what their connection is with each other um, as the movie progresses. And that becomes a major plot point. So I won't give too much away there. But to get into the... And that's the main driver of the film. So as far as the performances, obviously they're universally good. You, you've got Billy Bob Thornton, who's great as the hothead um um Roy you've or Ray excuse me and then you've got Michael Beach who um I've known he's been around forever I've known him specifically from his television work um he was on he's been on a bunch of television shows and I actually just recently saw him I forgot what show it was um oh Tulsa King he's on Tulsa King I saw him on there but he's been around forever and he's great in this role as Pluto like I said super intelligent super violent um super cool headed he's the calm level headed one as he methodically tries to figure out what they're going to do and then cinda williams performance is fantasia it's funny uh, seeing her performance i think at first when i watched the run i rewatched the movie now her performance actually and she's also in um because i haven't seen her much lately i haven't seen her in, i mean i'm sure she's working but i haven't i just remember her in the early 90s because she was in mo Better blues the spike lee film and in this film are the two movies i remember her from her performance in this movie at first, when you first introduced to her character, it was kind of grating and a little bit annoying to me because she was just, it was just, but then as the movie progressed and then you got deeper into her character, I liked her performance more. So I think by the end of the movie, um, I was good with her performance. Just at the beginning, I, I just, it was weird because I found it a little bit grating, but then it that kind of faded away as the movie progressed. So that's my only criticism performance-wise in the movie. And of course, Bill Paxton is always fantastic and it's you know you know it's unfortunate he's not with us anymore i mean he was great in everything he did and he this is no exception um his dale is you know he plays this character so the character obviously is a small town sheriff you know the la police come into town as well when they find out that ray and pluto are coming so as we're waiting for them to get there the police are there the detectives and so the detectives form a relationship with dale to try to apprehend him and of course dale is super excited he talks about how he wants to be a big city cop and you know he's going to help them solve you know catch these guys and there's a great scene and this is what great actors do really well it's the smaller quieter moments in the movie so there's a great scene where the two 
LA detectives are sitting in a diner um, and they're joking and laughing because one of them tells them that Dale wants to join the LAPD and uh, do big city work, you know, because he has those aspirations of being a big city cop. So he's telling the other guy, his partner and then his partner and them are just laughing, laughing, laughing about how ridiculous that would be and how he wouldn't last uh, five minutes in L.A. Um, because he's from a small town, you know, he wouldn't be able to handle it. And then as the camera winds out, you see Bill Paxton kind of on the other side of where they're eating, um, getting ready to talk to the cashier. And then, of course, the cops realize uh, that uh, they heard, that he heard what they said. And, of course, they're, you know, they're embarrassed. They get ready to go to a call. And then as they exit the restaurant, um, Bill Paxton talks to the L.A. cop that he had that he had told this to. And he basically, instead of getting what you would think what would happen, he would get angry, be insulted by, you know, being made fun of behind his back. He apologizes to the L.A. cop. He goes, I'm sorry I put you in a bad spot. And uh, you can see the hurt in his face. And he's apologizing even though he was being made fun of. And he apologized for putting him in a bad spot. So I, to me, that said a whole bunch of things about the performance. One, just Bill Paxton, the way he delivers is great. Um, kind of that small town manners, even though he was insulted, he apologized. It was just, uh, just a little moment in that movie that was great and just shows what a great actor Bill Paxton is. And, uh, and like I said, it's those quiet moments when great actors really deliver any, you know, you, you always get big performances from actors and I, I don't, I love those too, but it's those little moments of humanity and emotion that great actors can elicit, you know, between the script and his delivery of those lines. Uh, was fantastic. So again, of course, the great Bill Paxton, um, as I said, fantastic in everything that he is in. So the performances, again, across the board, great. Uh, the script is good by Epperson and Billy Bob Thornton, and Carl Franklin's direction is very good as well. I've read several pieces on this movie over the years, and and even the essay in the Criterion Collection, and and the one point that they've all made, and I noticed it as well, and. It's funny because in the interview with Franklin and Billy Bob Thornton, there's been criticism of this film because of, of the violence of it. So the, there's there's literally violence in basically maybe two or three spots in the movie, but there it's and I don't even want to see very 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 violent. And Carl Franklin says it great in the in the in the interview. At the beginning, when when Ray and Pluto murder the people in the house when they steal the drugs, they uh, they are up close, personal, violent, and brutal. And people, and I find it's funny because, and this is the thing about violence in movies, especially in the United States, people criticize a movie like this, which is violent in spots, but they're completely okay with gory violence, horror violence, you know, unrealistic over-the-top violence, you know, and they just kind of, they don't care. This movie, and Carl Fleckler makes a point, he didn't want to glamorize violence. And this movie definitely doesn't do that. The, The moments of violence in the movie come quickly, they're very brutal, and they leave they're Im- they're impactful in the right way. Uh, you know the price of, of hurting people and that thing the things that that involves is very well portrayed in this movie. So the, and the the scenes of violence are necessary for this film and are impactful in the right way, not in the wrong way, where some other movies may or may not be. And that's a judgment call that people can make on their own. But I'm just saying, uh, it's and that was intentional by the director, and. Uh, like I said, the movie is fantastic, and the thing, another thing that's great about this movie, it's uh, it's a mixture of genres. So I know my first inclination with 
one false move is that it's a it's a noir movie a film noir and it is partially because you've got characters that are morally questionable um there's really not a good guy in the movie per se i mean i guess bill paxton if you want to be completely yeah and he's probably a good guy but he's got some things you know in his past so it's not a it's not a strict film noir and then cinda williams character i don't know if she's a I wouldn't describe her as a femme fatale, but there's definitely noir elements in One False Move, but it's also a thriller, a road movie, and a character study. Uh, so, you know, as the movie progresses, you know, you start with the three people on the run, and it kind of, that story is there, but the other story kind of comes up as the movie progresses, it kind of rises to the forefront when you find out kind of the complicated relationship between Dale and fantasia and that kind of takes over as the movie progresses even though so you've got two stories going uh both important both interesting and both well told and uh it, like i said it's fantastic and and even though this was a low budget film uh, it's it doesn't look like it in that sense because uh, as franklin also discussed they were able to shoot in arkansas so you get the scenes in arkansas in the small town you get that feeling because they shot it there and they were able to do some things even though they were budgeted uh, very small that was able to do it because at first I think they wanted to shoot the entire movie in California which would have made the movie cheaper but then it wouldn't have looked the same and the, and the Arkansas sequences in One False Move are, are very important because it, it sets the stage it sets the atmosphere that you're looking for to tell this particular story so that is fantastic so as the movie drives to its climax obviously they get to the town and uh, there is a confrontation um, I'll leave it at that uh, involving most of the main characters in the movie and then you know you get to towards the end of the film and the 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 confrontation is 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 well staged it's it's well done it's exciting um and and what's great about this movie it's a slow build because you know and this is the great thing about a film noir because the thing about a film noir is it, it never ends well they don't end well <laughs> they don't end well for the characters at all usually they do not end well so even as you're watching this movie, and that's not a detriment, so you know they're going to this town, you know there's going to be a confrontation, and you know it's not going to end well. But the slow build to that adds to the tension. So you know every step they're taking to get to uh, Arkansas is filled with tension. There's tension within those scenes as they try to get there. You know, the people waiting there, whether it's Dale or the cops, all that tension is, is sustained uh, throughout the film. Uh, so it's really well done. It's, uh, it's paced really well. Um, I don't even know what the running time is. I didn't even look, but it doesn't even matter uh, because it's not it's not a, a, a long film, but it's paced beautifully. And uh, like I said, the performances are fantastic across the board. Uh, Carl Franklin's direction is great. And then, of course, you've got the script by uh, Epperson and Billy Bob Thornton, which is really, really good. And as I stated, this film sp springboarded Epperson, Billy Bob Thornton, especially Carl Franklin as well, to... to really jumpstart their careers in cinema and especially Billy Bob Thornton obviously like I said uh, a few years later with uh, with the success uh, of Sling Blade another independent film that broke through and, and became a huge uh, phenomenon for Billy Bob Thornton of course obviously he's um, carried through to this day it's unfortunate he really doesn't uh, write and direct anymore he's just basically an actor now who's done fantastic work you know he's you know he's worked with the Coen brothers he was in one of the seasons of the television show Fargo which is fantastic um, he does the Amazon show. I've got the name off the top of my head, which I like, where he plays the attorney. So he's basically an actor now. I know he directed a film, I think, back in 2000, I think. Uh, but he really doesn't do that anymore. 
Um, it's unfortunate because he's really good at it and uh, he usually has different takes on things and is a really good storyteller. Uh, so it's unfortunate he doesn't do that part of his career anymore. But definitely, uh, I'm sure anybody that watches or listens to this episode uh, has has not seen One False Move. So if you have not and you like thrillers, you are a fan of Bill Paxton, you're a fan of, of, of Billy Bob Thorne and a fan of Michael Beach, who, like I said, is fantastic in this movie as well. I don't want to forget his performance. He's He's one of the best things about it. Definitely check out this movie. Like I said, it's not available for... Well, it is available on Criterion if you want to buy it. Uh, but I believe it's available for rental on the digital platforms. I think you can rent it. Um, I don't know if the Criterion channel is showing it. But definitely seek it out. It's a great movie. I'm, I'm sure a lot of people have not seen it. So I highly recommend One False Move. Uh, like I said, I think you'll, you'll if you're enjoying noir, those type of you know darker movies, I think you'll really like it. And uh, like I said, re-watching it uh, on the 4K transfer... Let me comment on that. Uh, so, of course, like Criterion always does, the, the, the print looks beautiful. Uh, it looked fantastic. Watching it in 4K, uh, the, the the transfer is beautiful. It sounds good. It looks good. It's the thing I keep saying, and it goes back all the way to when I reviewed In the Heat of the Night. If you go back, you can look watch that review uh, with Criterion. It's And I always go back to what my, my oldest son said, and I always bring it up because it's, it's the best way to put it. I was watching in the heat of the night and he comes into the room and he's he hadn't he didn't know what the movie was. And of course, you know that movie came out in 1967, I believe. My son asked me, he goes, Is that a new movie? That's how good the prints look. And with these movies, if you take away the fashion, what people wear, it looks like a brand new movie. It looks like they just shot this movie. That's how good the transfer is, how clean it looks, how crisp the 4K is. So definitely if you can watch it that way, uh the Criterion does it better than anybody, like I said. Um, I was, you know, they're not a sponsor of this podcast, but you know, I will, I will happily endorse them and, and what they put out. They've been doing it since, you know, back in the eighties with Laserdisc, and it's a, it's a great, they're a great curator of, of films, especially smaller films, films of critical importance and, and just fantastic. So that's really, like I said, I don't really buy any, any, um, tangible DVDs anymore other than the criterions of films that i want to see or that i've seen that i want to review for the podcast that's where i do buy the physical media because especially with these you're not really going to get those in any other way and probably not on streaming so again i highly recommend uh criterion collection if you are if you're a serious movie collector you already know that or if you're someone that maybe wants to get into doing that definitely uh go to criterion first for movies that you think you would be interested in having uh, and watching uh, definitely start there uh, before you go anywhere else, you're going to get the best versions of these films with great commentary, with great essays written in the jackets of the uh, Blu-rays as well, or the 4Ks if you're lucky to get a 4K version of a of a particular film. So, to my stars, I am going to give One False Move four and a half stars out of five. So, of course, on that scale, that means this movie is eminently rewatchable. Uh, it's one of my favorite movies. Um, I don't give it five. Five is uh, you know in my pantheon of classic movies of all time. That is not a knock on this film at all. Four and a half is, is about as high as you can get for me, uh, other than perfect that it's, you know, all-timer. But it's a fantastic film. I really enjoyed it, Rewatching it after all these years. It holds up. It's very entertaining, um, like I said, with great performances all the way around. Uh, so, again, I'm giving One False Move four and a half stars out of five. And, again, it's available on Criterion. And I did not check... Uh, before I came on, but I'll check after and I'll post it on my Twitter post. Um, I believe it's available to rent uh, digitally, I believe. 
Um, it's not available in, 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 I don't think, any other format, but I'll check and then I'll post it on my Twitter. So go to at Bend Your Ear Pod and I'll post where you can see the movie if you're interested in checking it out. Uh, and if it's available, definitely do so. I believe it is available for rental, uh, but at, at the very minimum, you can get it on Criterion. It's, it's, a, it's worth your money to get it. It's a great, great movie to have and to own. So again, I'm giving one false move, four and a half stars out of five. Thank you for listening to the show. You can follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, and threads. The handle is at BendYourEarPod. Subscribe to the YouTube channel and like the Facebook page. This is a one-man operation. If you're watching the show on Facebook or YouTube and would like to support the podcast, you can click on the QR code on the top left corner over here. Or you can click the tip jar on the show's Twitter page, which is at BendYourEarPod. This will help cover the cost of hosting the podcast. Thank you for listening and have a fantastic week.